Fast am I. Good afternoon and welcome to Perspective on Manx Radio. I'm Dolan Mercer. This week we're revisiting a topic which, behind all of the political activity of the present day, continues to bubble away in the background. Some years ago, big promises were made when it came to the film industry. The old adage of speculate to accumulate was banded around by some supporters of heavy investment in media here. Critics, meanwhile, argued the proposals lacked some depth. To quote an MHK who would go on to become Treasury Minister, I'm pleading with you to cast off that starry-eyed spell that's been waved over you and start appreciating facts. There is no proper due diligence, there is no business plan. It would appear that Mr Cannon was right. He was speaking about the Media Development Fund, which is thought to have incurred losses of between £26 and £27 million. In October, Perspective documented the first public oral evidence session of a committee which was tasked with investigating these extensive losses and identifying whether further investigation is needed and whether there are any changes to governance procedures required as a result of this situation. The establishment of that committee was sparked by Kate Costane, who then went by Beecroft, the leader of the Liberal Vannin Party, She argued, successfully argued, for a team of three Timwald members to look into the issue in July 2018. And, as if to complete the circle, Miss Costain was called before the New Look Public Accounts Committee to give evidence to the team she had essentially laid the foundations for. I say New Look as three alternate politicians were appointed, as the usual PAC members were deemed to have a conflict of interest. So, for this inquiry, it's made up of MHK's Claire Barber and Anne Corlett, plus Kate Lord Brennan, MLC. If we fast forward to this week, the committee held its sixth public oral evidence session, and it was the turn of the Treasury Minister, Alf Cannon, and Chief Financial Officer, Caldrick Randall. We'll hear what they had to say shortly. But first, after she gave evidence to the committee, Kate Costain, MHK, outlined her concerns to Rhianne Evans. In simple terms, um, going back to just the basic of um, why why you're here today, how do you think the Media Development Fund lost that much money? I know you touched on um, measurements not being put in place by Treasury. Are there any other reasons? Yeah, I think you've got um, governance issues from the very beginning of both contracts, actually. The first with Cinema NX, when it was referred to in the 2007 budget speech by the then Treasury Minister, Alan Bell, um, and was also referred to in the pink book, but it wasn't explicit as to what was going to happen, just that a new way had to be found. Um, And then in the August subsequent to that, £50 million was transferred to Cinema NX Limited, um, and it was shown on the balance sheet. There was no tin wall debate, and Treasury actually signed its own FDA waiver which in theory allowed them to do so, but I do question the legitimacy of that. And then again at the beginning, right at the beginning, um, of the uh, agreement with Pinewood, uh, we weren't given all the information that we should have been given. There was no independent appraisal. Um, Again, there was, as far as we're aware, uh, there was no measures put in so that you couldn't measure and be accountable or held to account for something. Um, and when it was decided in Tinwald, when it was debated and decided in Tinwald that the media, 25 million then of the Media Development Fund should be ring-fenced for Pinewood to give advice on, Pinewood hadn't had any experience in that area and Pinewood did not have a licence to do that because it's a regulated activity, um, which again is something Cinema NX didn't have and whether the regulations were in at the time the contract was signed if regulations subsequently come in other companies have to adapt to those regulations. Uh, Cinema NX was never um, a regulated entity even though it was carrying out regulated activities. Basically, um, I think what you said was um, the truth needs to come out. And and you said um, power has, um, it feels like power has kind of pushed the truth to one side. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it's so difficult to just get the documents that you need to see to find out basically how all this escalated so dramatically? 
Um, I think because it's sort of almost historic that it's accepted that a lot of government papers will be confidential, where actually, to my mind, it should be the other way around. It should be accepted that they're not confidential unless there's a very good reason for it. And that reason should be recorded somewhere and it should be justifi justifiable. And the reason itself should be open to the public. So you know why the elected representative has made that decision. You might disagree with it, but you know what the rationale is. So I think it's just flip the coin um, on the same issue. And of course, you, you were talking about the public having a right to know because it's £26 million worth of taxpayers' money that's mm. been lost. What's the impact on the Manx people from such a huge amount of money that, that has been lost? Well, I mean, I think it has to be enormous when you look at the things that we can't afford to do at the moment because we don't have the money for um, and the things that we, over the last 10, 12 years, that we haven't been able to afford. You know, you think, really, that would have gone a long way on things that actually mean something to people. Plain devil's advocate, if that £26 million is gone and it can't be gotten back, why, why are you personally choosing to pursue to carry on chasing government, holding them to account if this money can't be gotten back? Partly because I think scrutiny is a very important part um, of an MHK's duty. You know, if you're not in government, you should be scrutinising and making sure that government is doing things as you would expect them to do. So yes, the 26 million can't be recouped, but Government always says it's learnt lessons from various things that have gone wrong. And I could give you a list, as I'm sure just about everybody else could, of money that has just disappeared because of bad decisions by government. You have to ask, is that because of the lack of governance? And if governance is open and accountable, these things shouldn't happen. You're always going to get human error, but you have to have systems that are robust enough that will minimise any errors um, as much as possible. And I think the lack of governance in this particular instance is so severe that I'm, I'm very glad to see that the committee um, is looking into it. And as I say, I just hope that they will be able to get all the information that they need so that they can report properly and give a full account to the Manx people because they absolutely deserve it. That was Kate Costain, MHK, speaking to Rianne Evans after the first oral evidence session of the Public Accounts Committee about the Media Development Fund last year. This week saw the sixth instalment in that committee's evidence-gathering process, with Treasury Minister Alf Cannon and Chief Financial Officer Caldrick Randall called before the panel. The focus for this meeting was about the present day. Kate Lord Brennan, MLC, and Anne Corlett, MHK, joins the committee's chair, Claire Barber. Minister, before we focus in on governance specifically, we'd like to begin by asking you to set the scene more broadly. Um, it is a challenge to budget, to fund public service delivery and also to support funding for business growth and development. That's something that you've said um, yourself and is in uh, the, the pink book. Um, we just wondered, how do you approach this, recognising that challenge? Well, government has a, a number of priorities uh, in terms of this administration. We've set a number of those out uh, in the programme for government. Uh, the priorities have been clearly set out within that. Uh, and of course, you know, alongside that, there is the provision of day-to-day uh, -day services. So we will adjust uh, the funding uh, as necessary. There is clearly a, a number of established set uh, funding criteria already in place for delivery of public services um, and you know we will adjust uh, accordingly in those spheres depending on the uh, as I said uh, either the priorities uh, facing government or the challenges that are facing government in terms of what sectors might need uh, specific support. So you're looking at both proactive and reactive? Yes, yes. And how much of the annual budget is allocated to funding for business growth and development? So we have uh, allocated uh, some, almost £4 million are, are allocated to the Department for Enterprise for their various uh, schemes. The Financial Assistance Scheme uh, gets £3.5 million. 
there's a micro business grant scheme, uh, a business improvement scheme, uh, and one or two other uh, small schemes that are uh, in situ at present but it is the financial assistance scheme which gets the most that's 3.5 million pounds and that money is delivered directly to support uh, new businesses being established and uh, established businesses who are wanting to uh, seek funds to help them uh, sustain and grow and develop on the island and how do you prioritize budget bids for competing areas of focus um, related to growing the economy and business growth well, we give that we give that funding to DfE. They will come to us with their budget bids, as all the departments do, and we will review their uh, requests uh, in line with the benefits that they are proposing um, to bring. I think what uh, we ha- have in this particular circumstance, though, are, are more sort of one-off investments um, that that are brought to Treasury or people who come, perhaps often. Uh, alongside or perhaps even outside uh, the, bu- the, the normal budget criteria with proposals uh, either for direct business support or for uh, more broader funding that may be needed to help benefit uh, the economy, uh, economic growth uh, on the island and potentially at times bring some social benefits as well. Okay. And what tools do you use to assess those opportunities? I think there is no set criteria uh, one has to look particularly um, if it's uh, economically focused which most of the uh, investments tend to be um, what uh, is the overriding um, purpose of the request for and what are the benefits that are likely to come to the island now those um, benefits could be jobs could be diversification Uh, supporting diversification in the economy, could be uh, provision of opportunities for startups or or for entrepreneurs. Um, It could be about sustainability, i.e. bringing investment into a specific area or to a specific business to sustain uh, their presence on the island and to uh, help them sustain and potentially create uh, jobs. There may be environmental criteria around that investment uh, request and there may be social benefits around that uh, request. Generally speaking, when we look at specific investments for economic growth, we are looking at the jobs uh, that are either being created or sustained and the uh, revenue that will be um, either created or sustained as a result of that investment. Thank you. Um, Can I ask, how do you measure success in relation to supporting businesses? Well, again, when we uh, receive an application for business support or for for project support, there will be attached to that an evaluation about the numbers of jobs uh, that will either be created or sustained and the attached uh, revenue expectation that we will uh, receive alongside that, so both income tax and national insurance. And how does Treasury measure, measure positive economic effect um, where it's not a straightforward direct return on investment, where the other things come into play? You've already sort of said, you know, your environmental, your social. Benefit. Well, I, I think the uh, when partic- if we were looking at uh, environmental or um, social. Uh, elements, then we would attach that to specific objectives set out in the programme for government. Um, so we would, you know, clearly if it was environmental, then one would see that in terms of uh, uh, reduction perhaps in carbon uh, that would be brought alongside that particular investment. And clearly that's going to take on more importance as we move um, forward. Or if there was a, uh, a, a, a direct social benefit, then we would be ex- expecting some form of measurement uh, alongside that. Um, so you do give guidance on how you would expect effect to be measured? I think we always seek to establish what the benefits of the request is for funding. So do we give specific guidance? Um, 
I'm not sure that we give specific guidance, but we as a Treasury, when we come to review these requests, will always look at what benefits uh, are, are being brought, particularly if, it's a, if it is one for uh, economic uh, investment into business, um, then we predominantly will look at jobs, um, job creation and sustainability into the longer term. Uh, and clearly around that, then we will be doing other due diligence about who's involved, what the risks, what potential risks uh, may be um, present. Um, it's just the executive agency model, um, the Minister, what's your view of the executive agency model? Well, we, we've supported the establishment of the executive uh, agencies. Um, Personally, I think it's a, a good thing, the right way forward. I think it's important that you engage uh, with the businesses and the industries that you're trying to uh, support and where public money is actually being um, focused. And I hope that we will see the resultant benefits of that starting to come through. It's probably too early at this stage to uh, have a credible um, set of results or deliverable objectives from the executive agencies. I think they are still work in progress. They're still developing in some respects in terms of formulating their uh, plans and strategies, but uh, I'm conscious that there have already been a few successes, and, and we look forward to seeing that develop. Um, I was going to ask, how do you track and act, assess whether, an agency, whether the agency model is working? But I'm getting from your answer there that actually we haven't given it long enough perhaps to well, because we, yeah, I mean, we haven't put any direct investment per se into the, uh, in, into the agency model itself. I mean, this has been a, 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 uh, a proposal that's come through from DfE. It's been within their, their budgets. Um, they, 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 they've put it together. Um, and, you know, as I said, it's, we, we've had very little in the way of direct requests for specific funding, although I'm conscious that there may be some... Uh, on its on its way in the not too distant future. We have, we have had some some funding requests which we we funded through the market initiative initiatives fund. So, what would you do if you thought it wasn't working? Well, if we think an investment's not working, or there's, I mean that that that's a sort of strategic decision that's been taken with the support uh, of council ministers, uh, DfE have have put a, a very strong business case as to why this is a sensible way forward. You know, if we felt that, you know, if we get a request um, for funding, uh, as I said, we will look at the, the return that and benefits that it is bringing. If we think and believe that a <coughs> case um, or, or an agency isn't delivering on the expectations that have been set out, then that would have clearly flag a, a level of concern, uh, we would want reassurances from the department about their proposals as to, as to um, whether the agency was operating efficiently and effectively and whether it was, it was meeting its criteria and or whether that criteria needed to be reviewed or changed in terms of the objectives that it was setting uh, out to um, achieve. So, you know, we have given us, sorry, as, as uh, the Chief Financial Officer says, I mean, obviously we have had some requests for, for funding um, through which have come from marketing initiatives. So where we have given very specific and relatively small amounts at the, at the moment for that, you know, we have set out a, um, or accepted a uh, set of benefits that will be brought um, to us. Uh, and indeed, we uh, regularly ask uh, a department to come back uh, and update us as to the progress on those criteria that have been brought to us and, and as, as benefits effectively for job creation, for uh, income streams. And so we do look to see um, how that is progressing. Thank you. You mentioned the marketing initiatives fund. Is that part of the financial assistance scheme or is that a separate? That's a, that's a separate internal fund. And. Um, is that something, this is based on our previous evidence taking, that um, will get approval effectively from DfE or one of the agencies and then come to Treasury for concurrence? Uh, no, it's an internal fund that's held by Treasury. The terms of reference for the fund are set out in the, um, in the, in the pink book. Okay. 
Right. Okay. Back in the ping book. So effectively, if a department has a request for funding over and above what it's got in its existing budget, it'll come up with a business case and it'll put that through through to Treasury. Treasury officers will look at it and make sure that the kind of criteria in the business case is there and it'll be considered by Treasury and then that funding will be made available uh, if it was approved. Okay, and um, do you have any recent sort of cases in the past few years where um, you've said no to a request that's come through? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, absolutely. As I say, there's, 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 a, there's a lot of scrutiny that goes into it beforehand. Um, so if something, um, what doesn't stack up, a business case doesn't stack up, it wouldn't always get to Treasury anyway because the officers would have you know, made sure that the case, the case was there. Uh, to be to be described before it gets to to the, to the political level. Sometimes they go through with it, and it's a judgment call, and the politicians make those judgment calls. So I think I think it's important to distinguish between our externally managed funds, 1.6 billion pounds, which are you know we set the criteria for that investment, but it is managed on a discretionary basis by the investment managers, and the internally managed funds. Um, which are set out in in the pink book, and those funds will all have a uh, set of criteria for what they've been established in terms of reference effectively. And yes, we will distribute money from those funds, which are very transparent, approved by Timwald in the um, budget, uh, and departments can apply to those for various um, projects that all have to be uh, economically related. Um, But... That they, the criteria, as we said, we've we've set those funds up for a very specific purpose to deliver sort of more broader broader outcomes for um, society. Okay, thank you. Um, if we can just look a little bit more um, on the investment side of things, then, um, but first of all, related to um, Timwald oversight. Um, at a previous evidence session, um, the point of the acquisition of the steam packet was was mentioned to the committee um, by way of making a point about um, members getting sufficient information. Um, so I'd be interested if you could just talk us through Treasury's approach um, with dealing with such significant investments, um, for example just to really illustrate what sort of due diligence, what procedures, what professional advice, and how how you dealt with that in terms of ensuring that Timbal members had the sort of information that they felt that they would need in order to have sufficient scrutiny over it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's a big, that is a really big question. I mean, I, I think we have set out um, the it, it, when we delivered the proposals to Timwald, the uh, clear rationale behind our belief that the Isle of Man government should purchase the Isle of Man steam packet company. Uh, this was not uh, for investment management purposes or investment returns purposes. Uh, we purchased that um, because it was our belief that it was the right thing to do to protect our strategic sea services uh, and the economic Uh, and therefore the economic and critical economic and social uh, benefits that came from having uh, a protected uh, monopoly route uh, effectively. So this was not an investment decision per se. The fact that the company uh, was in generally um, uh, a strong performing business in terms of its uh, profit and loss uh, and its revenues uh, was obviously part of the factor of considering that it is yes we should make the decision to purchase the steam packet rather than look at an alternative uh, decision such as to buy our own ships for example um, uh, and clearly though having made that decision then one has to go uh, obtain the relevant professional uh, serious professional advice needed to ensure that the company uh, is Uh, represented properly both on its uh, balance sheet and on its uh, profit and loss uh, account and is trading efficiently uh, and effectively. So, uh, and alongside that one has to set out the longer term forecasts as well 
um, for the future of the business. Uh, I bear in mind and make a full assessment of the risks associated with it and the challenges that the business was facing, for example, with um, new ships. In terms of what we presented to um, Timwald, uh, I think we presented uh, as much uh, as we could to be transparent uh, in the circumstances, bearing in mind, of course, that there was always the risk that in this particular case that Timwald could have said no. Uh, there was certain information, therefore, that could have potentially, that was held back, but would have potentially uh, have meant that jeopardised the, co the company's future sort of commercial value, if, if, if you like, if Timwald had rejected the decision. So I think we, we um, <clears throat> went forward and presented uh, as much reasonable and relevant information uh, to enable Timwell to make the decision at the time. But, of course, critically, Timwell did have exposure to the company uh, accounts. And, of course, we had taken out uh, and undertaken uh, ourselves the uh, relevant due diligence. I think in all these circumstances, there has to be uh, a, a, an element of um, trust uh, and an element of responsibility by the minister and the teams that are coming to Tinwald with this type of um, information. I appreciate that uh, everybody always wants uh, a huge, potentially huge amounts of detail. Um, it's not always available, to, not just with investments, but other decisions that government may be uh, making. Uh, it's not always available at that specific time um, to members, and so therefore one has to make a judgment call as to uh, you know, how much can be um, released and of course in making these decisions uh, you know the minister responsible obviously carries considerable political responsibility uh, for doing that and presenting the information as well so in this particular case I was confident that we had uh, engaged with the relevant professional advisors that those professional advisors had um, undertaken a thorough uh, and full assessment uh, of the due diligence um, and uh, you know of course in engaging the professional advisors such as the accountants uh, and the um, uh, the lawyers for example we obviously had to have our own corporate finance uh, consultants as well and I was satisfied with the levels of communication and information that was being um, provided to us and as I said we then packaged that up and gave as much information to Tinwald as we reasonably could, I believe, to make for them to make a, as an as an informed decision as possible. Okay, thank you. Do you have anything to add? Uh, no. Um, in looking at the um, in the the latest the uh, the government's uh, dark blue book. Um, I noticed that there is a section to do with internal controls and um, I was actually comparing it to a few years ago and I went back um, as, as early as was publicly available I think to 2013-2014 and noticed that in the, cover, in the current government audited accounts there seems to be um, a little bit more a little bit more detail in terms of planned areas for review um, and that, that would be under 4.8 of uh, statement of internal control um, so there seems to be a, a, a bit more extra stuff in the blue book in terms of internal control compared to perhaps a few years ago when I'm looking at the in this case just the 2013-2014 so it prompted me to ask is there certain things that have been brought into Treasury about um, managing internal controls, internal governance, um, a different way of doing things at all that have been brought in since, um, since 2016 or even since you have taken up your post, Ms Randall? Um, I think the short answer is no, there isn't. I think we're just, you know, obviously with the, um, the dark blue book, we're always looking to improve the level of information that we've got in there and the usefulness of the statement on internal control. Uh, it picks up picks up major issues, you know, that we're looking looking to address that are related to governance in the future. I mean, obviously, you can see from from the, from the things listed there that there are a number of things that we want to want to look at and improve. We're always looking looking to improve. We've got a number of improvement projects going. The the, the general approach to to the preparation of the of the of the of the, of the, the statement itself hasn't changed. Uh, they're, they're things that we need to as I say keep improving, and that, and that's what we're aiming to do. Okay, and in terms of um, guidance that Treasury might give to other 
uh, departments in relation to um, allocation of their budgets, perhaps you know, to do with how they, they fund business growth or that sort of development activity? Is there particular guidance in place or would that really happen by way of the processes of um, the things that you've explained before about somebody putting a, a bid in? Um, what sort of guidance or input does Treasury give to other departments is essentially what I'm asking. In terms of business growth, I mean, the different the Treasury when it looks at uh, setting of the budget looks at looks at things at a high strategic level, and will you know obviously has the program for government to refer to to see you know what those specific actions are that are available to them, and then we'll make allocations to the departments on on that basis. In terms of specifically going in and telling the departments how to how to deliver everything, I'm not sure that that's that's Treasury's role. We will look we will look at things, take a, uh, take advice for them about, uh, about how they propose to do things, and then make a decision uh, about prioritisation of funding on, on on that basis. Obviously, when you've got you've got limited funds, you have to have some 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 form of uh, prioritisation uh, about where you put those funds. The majority of funding for uh, you know business development elements is is through Department for Enterprise. Okay, so there's. Um is there any specific guidance around risk appetite or is it really just around that judgment call for whatever the goals of that um, particular project might be? So we do we do have a kind of standard business place template that, that gets used for you know capital projects and, and for bids that, that, that come in each year. Um, below that, you know, the, the, there is there is a template and expectation of things that we would want to be in there. So the risk analysis within there, you know, different benefits that, that that might be accruing, kind of needs needs to do things, you know, from a legal point of view. Um, so that that kind of level there is, but not, not in terms of a detailed kind of you know manual. There isn't that, but there is. Well, there's a standardised process, and it would be yeah. in that in that template. Okay. Um, in terms of the, the role that Treasury plays in approving funding, you've differentiated between things like the Marketing initiative, Initiatives Fund and also um, concurrence that might be given when there's been more process that's taken place through departments. Um, what, can you just outline for us what the, the present um, process for sign-off is at a Treasury level for whether to provide funding? Okay, I mean, the requirement for Treasury concurrence is normally uh, in, a, in an act, uh, in a piece of legislation, whether it's in the primary or, or, or a secondary piece of legislation. Um, we, will, we will expect, so what will happen is the department will go through, make its, make its own decision. It, um, it will you know, get ministerial sign-off and, ch and chief officer sign-off. Uh, it'll then come into Treasury and it will set out the criteria. For example, in, in the case of the financial assistance scheme, um, we have, a, we have a, a checklist that we run through to, to satisfy ourselves that the department has undertaken the kind of the checks and, and balances that we would expect. Um, the officers uh, uh, will uh, do, an, do an overview, uh, provide a covering paper uh, for the politicians, setting out the advice, giving advice to the, to the, to the politicians on what, uh, what's in there, what's, what the case is, uh, and a recommendation uh, on the basis of that, and then it will go into Treasury for, for political consideration. That's that's really the same kind of um, process for the internal funds as well, um, where you know a, a case is a case is made by the department, it's it's backed by by that department and put into treasury, and then treasury will consider it on the basis of need and affordability. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, the the con main concern of this this committee is looking into into the the losses of. Uh, over 26 million from the media development fund which is obviously of course they are they are historic losses but um you know would you feel confident now that there are processes in place or what processes in place do you think would ensure that such losses would not occur again and i, and I accept that this uh, is not a current the same arrangement is not in place but in terms of the processes that might stop something like that happening again? Well, it, it, it depends what you actually set out to do with your money, effectively, uh, and what the vision is uh, and the purpose for uh, such funding um, is. You know, and, and, and until you've actually established that uh, and understood that, then you will not understand necessarily what type of risk you're applying to the money that you are uh, spending. 
Um, so, you know, at present, for example, you know, I think we have taken uh, the view um, that we want to create uh, jobs, we want sustainability, and we don't want it for short term, we want it for longer term, and we want to see at least some evidence that these jobs are here to stay rather than necessarily be created for very, very short term one off projects, um, if you like. So that is really around the sort of general vision that, that we have for uh, uh, job creation, for providing support to specific um, projects at the moment. But if we were going to create um, a new fund uh, of, of this type of nature, then we would be wanting to see uh, the stickability, if you like, of the business. Um, it's raison d'etre for being uh, on the island uh, and the benefits that were, get, it were going to be brought in the longer term um, to, to the island. So, yeah, you, you have to be um, mindful that that is our priority job creation, rebalancing some of the uh, demographic challenges that we have uh, on the island um, and making us a more sustainable island in the longer term. Okay, thank you. Um, in light of that then, what's your view of the role of Treasury in the stewardship of public funds, particularly in respect of economic development? Well, I, th I think it is right, uh, generally speaking, that, that Treasury has the final sign-off for a lot of these one-off uh, projects that, that come to us or where funds are being applied for that are already being created that Treasury reviews and accepts the uh, criteria that has been applied um, by the relevant um, departments um, but it is also right to say that Treasury must go into uh, any investments with its eyes sort of wide open uh, and is clear on the criteria around which uh, public money is being um, spent. So Treasury does still have a very central role to play uh, in these uh, in investments uh, and you know I think acts very much as the safeguard uh, when it comes to uh, managing uh, perhaps departments expectations as to how uh, public money should be sent to be should be spent uh, and I think acts as um, a safeguard and perhaps a challenging board, if you like, um, to the process that has been adopted, the findings that have been put before Treasury, and uh, a critique of the benefits that are being outlined within the documentation that is being brought before us. When you talked about uh, job creation, are you talking about um, very simplistic job creation that would require someone to leave another job to come into it? Or are you talking about when we're bringing in a job and a person? So you're creating a job, hopefully, with new new people on the island as well? Yeah, ideally, I mean, it's not always that easy to control that specific process. Um, so that is definitely one um, element. Uh, as I said before sometimes we get propositions in front of us uh, that may be about job sustainability so there may be about an established successful business potentially with um, high turnover low margins but nevertheless important in terms of the type of work that it brings to uh, and diversity of work that it brings to the island and we may uh, look on occasion to support one-off investments if we believe it will be in the longer-term benefit uh, of the broader economy and help protect uh, existing jobs on the island. So do you see that there's probably a, a mechanism where that needs to change depending on the current situation of the island in terms of whether we are people short or job short? In no, the bigger I think, economic I think, picture, I, no, I, I just don't think you can necessarily box all this in, 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 into just nice, clear-cut uh, forms and packages, and says this must be this, you know, this must be uh, ticked before you can move on to the next stage, um, because not everything is is um, not everything is black and white. 
you know, there are various circumstances applied to various investment requests that come to Treasury, uh, different circumstances um, that may surround that uh, particular request. Um, and, you know, occasionally there are, there are different levels of risk uh, attached to it, which really therefore need some sort of political um, input um, in terms of sort of either approving or rejecting the, 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 the risk appetite, if you like, the risk factors that are being applied to certain propositions. Uh, and, and I think that if you just try and uh, uh, box this into a nice square box, it just is never going to, to work because, um, as I said before, um, sometimes there are risks at attached to to these types of proposals and um, you know one has to uh, be willing to politically expose yourself to as a, in my role perhaps as the role of the DFE minister and, and, and political members perhaps in the role of the DOI minister and, and, and political members I think the important thing is is that the evidence that is produced um, the uh, methodology that has been uh, applied or the figures that have been put in front of you are realistic, accurate uh, and cover all the factors that are um, involved and then not only that but you know, a full, fuller assessment has been given uh, around the broader implications that you might find from one of these uh, investments in terms of the impacts uh, uh, other impacts, other people that might be impacted or, or affected, and indeed the political risk, uh, you know, the political risks that are uh, involved with these decision making, and you know, th these decisions happen at times. Timwald doesn't get to to see everything necessarily. I mean, you obviously get everybody gets the the accounts. They see where the money's been spent. They see the funds. They don't necessarily know where every single penny has gone from those funds, and you have to put trust in. Um, both the officers and the politicians who are involved in signing off that um, the criteria is that have been set for that investment have been met that it's a benefit um, to the island to undertake that investment and one of the criticisms that was levied in the evidence session we held with the previous ministers was that they felt potentially that the current government was too risk averse and that there was opportunities potentially being missed. And, you know, I'm simply putting that challenge to you. Do you feel, you know, where do you think risk appetite should sit for government? And do you recognise that it, it is a difficult challenge in terms of deciding exactly what the risk appetite should be? Uh, well, pot potentially everybody would have their. Uh, perhaps a different view on that um, you know for us for me I think for the Treasury team you know I think we want to see as I talked about uh, particularly when we're talking about these the, you know these economic uh, in, in investments we want to see uh, you know the value in terms of uh, local spend jobs created return and returns to uh, the Treasury and then the longer term benefits that may be associated with that project. For example, does it help um, regenerate or does it contribute towards regeneration in a town centre? Does it, for example, assist and aid with our environmental challenges or does it, for example, help assist some of the social challenges or social uh, objectives that have been laid out uh, in the programme? for government. So, you know, I think that, that there are obviously risks for, for us. We seek to minimise those risks um, and we're not necessarily into taking very short-term risks that don't appear to have longer-term sustainability uh, for the island in general in terms of uh, the jobs uh, and, and economic opportunities that these projects um, would tend to bring. I don't feel the need for us to unduly take huge risks at the moment with, with public money. Uh, we have met our fiscal targets uh, and indeed exceeded our fiscal targets in terms of revenue growth. We've reduced uh, unemployment significantly in the last three or four years. Um, and 
you know, in, in general terms, I think that uh, areas, uh, some areas clearly have got problems with within the economy, but other areas have proved to be strong, stable, and uh, have opportunities that are coming up um, in front of them. So uh, there hasn't been a need, I don't think there's been a need for us to take any what I would call significant risks with public money, but obviously any investment that you take has an element potentially uh, of risk attached to it. Um, I'd just like to ask, when a decision's made, um, you, you've already said that evidence and methodology uh, need to be recorded, essentially why a decision has been made, especially when there's an element of risk attached to it. Um, do, you th do you feel that um, these things were recorded suitably at the time that the Media Development Fund were losing this money? Well, I, I think it's difficult for me to, to provide an answer to that. I haven't really, um, obviously I had, at the time of this I was a backbencher, I wasn't in Treasury and since becoming Treasury Minister I've adopted the position that we must move forward and that really the focus has been about uh, delivering on the programme for government and, and putting us into um, what I believe to be a, a more sustainable financial position with a clear financial plan uh, attached to it over the next five years. Um, personally, and as you'll probably look from the records, I didn't support the Pinewood investment. I was never a fan of what uh, potential benefits it was alleged to, to be bringing um, to the island, but but at the time, you know, Tim Wall did, um, and you know, many will argue that they went into it with their uh, eyes um, open. All I can really talk about, I, you know, I, I, am I confident that today we are providing adequate challenge, uh, suitable scrutiny around the investment proposals that are coming our way? Are we being transparent with Tim Ward in terms of how money is being uh, used? Um, and the returns that uh, we are seeking to uh, obtain, I believe the answer to those questions are are, are, yet, are yes. Um, and you know, touch wood, I have yet to see um, uh, anything uh, overly sort of drastic in terms of failure from what we have been choosing to sign off in Treasury as public, in terms of where the public money has been invested into the local economy and to local businesses and new businesses. Would you agree perhaps that the, the very fact that we're here again today still digging on this is evidence in itself that actually the evidence, the methodology, the methodology and the reasons for those decisions being made is, is really not clear? And that's why we're still having another committee to look into this? Well, I, as I said to you at the beginning, I think any investment... Um, may have a, a different raison d'etre attached to it. As long as you're clear on what you are seeking to achieve with that investment uh, and the benefits that it is bringing, will you then um, be clear on whether uh, you know it is set out to achieve what it you know that, whether that spending of that public money has in fact benefited uh, the community as a whole. Um, so. I think in terms of the, met the methodology applied, as I said to you, I just don't think you can necessarily square this all off into nice, neat tick boxes. What, what you do need to, to, to do is you know, to produce your due, due diligence, make sure that um, you fully assess the risk, uh, and you have set out your criteria for success. And if that is achieved, then you will be in a position to justify how that money has been spent and what has happened in terms of the benefits to society. And uh, I believe that um, you know, we can do that in terms of the investment decisions that Treasury uh, has looked at uh, and signed off, uh, and indeed that, that Timwald has decided should be the right way to go in terms of what's been set out uh, in the programme for government. And in terms of outcomes and results, you know, again, we can... I think it, from a broader brush perspective, I point to delivery of our targets set out in our financial plans as evidence, I think, of 
most success, successful uh, allocation of monies to DfE for investment in the uh, economic activity on the island. Thank you. And one of the other things that came up was um, around money that has come in from investments being automatically reinvested and almost the the feeling that that money was, because it had come from an area, it wasn't public money. And there appeared to be, again, a discrepancy. Certainly, uh, you know, from the, the way things I think have operated now, it appears that that money comes back in and there's then a prioritisation in terms of where money's spent. Would that be your take on the current situation? Uh, in terms of, it, you know, you, it, you, you're saying if, if, if an investment realises a return, then that return should be spent back in that no, particular specific no, area. No, that's what I'm saying. When, when we had the uh, previous ministers in again, yeah. one of the things that came up was that the money that was invested in the 50 million fund was perceived as having been a profit from the film anyway, and therefore it, we were just taking a chance on money that was never really there was almost the the perception from some and i wonder if you had any comment on you know the importance of putting money back into the general reserves because that is public money and well whatever the returns it is all public money that's that's the bottom line it's not money that belongs to individuals or a sector uh, per se it's just that the government in my view has chosen to invest public money in that particular sector if there are returns then that public that is public money and it is up to um, the decision makers as to whether to reinvest that money back into that particular sector or to put it um, back into um, the general uh, reserve but again you know I would suggest that these kind of decisions should be set out at the beginning in terms of terms of reference uh, around the funds uh, for these types of uh, investments and the benefits and, and clear identification of the benefits that are being set, set out to be achieved and you know what that means I think in terms of sustainability in the in the longer term or if it is appropriate just short-term short-term delivery for whatever reasons uh, there may be but it's absolutely my view that every single penny that Treasury deals with, irrespective of where it has come from, is public funds. We heard there from the Treasury Minister, Alf Cannon, and Chief Financial Officer, Coldrick Randall, as they gave evidence to the Public Accounts Committee this week as part of its investigation into the Media Development Fund. Thanks for listening. Take care.